0: Welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robbinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph? I have to sound different every time, somehow. <laughs> I am fantastic.
1: That is great. I don't great. think I've used that reply yet, so fantastic.
0: Super. Are we going to talk like this the entire time?
1: I really hope not.
0: Okay. Uh, today, we are talking about um, Church hurt which as we discovered does not have an official definition.
1: Right. We actually looked it up in Webster. There's no, There's definition. no definition. No.
0: Yeah, we are going to get this is going to be this is going to be fun. This could be very long. This is going to be fun and probably long but fun. Church hurt. Do you have a definition for church hurt and why do I already <laughs> know what you're going to say?
1: Okay. So, I feel like you already know what I'm going to say because I think most people Already know what I'm going to say when I say church hurt, and in the sense that they have an idea, you know, they have a formal definition, they have an idea of what we're talking about. Let me give a simple working definition, okay, of church hurt. I believe that the phrase church hurt means when an individual or a family or a group of people experience offense, disappointment, rejection, betrayal, or abuse by the leadership or people within a church, or by the institution itself. So what do you think about that definition there, Nate?
0: Um, I think all of that is exactly correct. However, I think, at least in my experience and from people I've talked to, that the the definition needs some sort of recognition that the church acts like it's supposed to be perfect. Mm. And so when the church does, the well, the, when the institution or the leaders or people in it do something, it stings that much more. Because I was told that somehow I and other people, I think, mm-hmm. were brought up to believe that everything we do here is correct, Gotcha. biblically sound, and no one refutes anything we say, and we're all family, and we all love each other, and everything's kumbaya, my Lord.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's a, okay, so I did not grow up in church, so you've got a different perspective on this than I do, so why is that, why is that, is that perception there, like just as a kid growing up, you're saying in church? That you're perceiving church to be the way you just described it?
0: I, I think so, because that's just how it that's just how it felt to me. Okay. So when I got older and and people weren't all a huge family and right. this half of the church didn't like this half of the church, and we didn't hang out with this guy and this guy is really weird for some reason and the leaders are fighting and why did the church split what's going on how how do i how do i deal with that and also deal with the fact that i'm supposed to be perfect as well like everybody else because when everybody's okay. when everybody's presenting themselves as perfect i also need to be that way so it's inviting me to get hurt when everyone's acting My perception is everyone's perfect, but I know I'm not because I know I'm doing things that they told me I wasn't supposed to do. So how do I deal with that?
1: And so, 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 like what you're saying is like, how do you deal with the fact that they're doing the very things they told you not to do? Right. So the very things that you were told, don't do this. It's a sin. Right. Now you're being. Now you know they're doing those same exact things
0: and kicking myself over because. I don't think every, everybody, nobody else seems to be dealing with these things because everybody it seems perfect to me.
1: Gotcha. So, like, is there a lack of, uh, Basically, then, you're
0: saying there's a lack of conversation about sin itself, maybe? I think there's a lack, not about sin itself, because there's a lot of conversation about <laughs> sin itself and how I shouldn't do it. <laughs> That's true. But I think there's a lack of conversation about how to deal with it once I have because Mm. I'm gonna.
1: So did you ever hear leaders when you were growing up, did you ever hear leaders from the pulpit or from the stage, whatever the environment was in your church? Did you ever hear leaders talk about struggling with sin or knowing that there were people struggling with sin or they themselves were struggling with sin? Was that like ever discussed from from the pulpit?
0: Like I, I want to say definitively no, but Because I just don't remember it ever happening. It might have happened, but Mm -hmm. I want to say no. Okay. And that doesn't make sense to me.
1: How would you have rather it been presented then?
0: I felt like there was a level of if we never bring sin up that a child doesn't know about. Like if we never bring drunkenness or Mm -hmm. porn or smoke and weed, or any of these things that the church doesn't like. If we just never bring that up, then when these kids grow up, they'll never do it. So I think not necessarily, I guess, being taught how to sin, but being aware of what was out there in the world. Because I, okay, background, I guess. Okay. I was in Christian school
2: mm-hmm.
0: as well as church. Okay. So everyone I knew was Christian mm-hmm. up until eighth grade when I went to public school. there is so much coming into my head right now that mm. I didn't know even existed in this world. Mm. And why didn't anybody tell me? Why didn't anybody tell me people acted like this? Why didn't like why didn't anybody tell me people were doing this kind of stuff or said this kind of thing? Why did I not know any of this? And so that sheltered lifestyle, Mm -hmm. that's a church term from the outside, sheltered church kids who, and they talk about this, I guess, who don't see anything else in the entire world Mm -hmm. and go out into the world and are the craziest ones because they don't know how to deal with any of these things they've never heard about any of this stuff and so they take it too far and die <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> die
1: like go to the furthest extreme right
0: to the first extreme because they have never heard of these things they didn't know about it so but it's a lot of we don't talk about this stuff therefore i think everybody's perfect mm-hmm. and nobody's struggling nobody's dealing with anything and then i start dealing with it and I feel like there's no one to talk to. I feel like everyone's perfect and I'm the only one at church doing something wrong. And then judgment from church people. And it's a whole, a whole thing. Gotcha. So I experienced that growing up. I'm not sure who to talk to about it (laughs) or how to deal with it. Or, or, I mean, I've dealt with it somewhat. Mm -hmm. Like I'm here talking to you, but it's been a whole thing. So Anyway, I would add some sort of thing in the definition, at least for people who grow up in church, Mm -hmm. around church, because a lot of church kids are homeschooled, too. Like they get they just get sheltered. And I have wrestled with the fact that I I know it's not all my 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 parents didn't know the entire world, but they also could have and the church could have told me a little more. I got you. And so I'm not trying to group my parents in with the church, but they were Christians. So mm-hmm. here we go. And so I feel like there needs to be something in the definition about about growing up in church at least for children mm-hmm. who become teenagers and experience more things. All right. So
1: in other words, what you're saying is that you want to add to the definition the fact that church hurt also comes from the appearance of perfectionism, mm. or maybe we want to say the lack of transparency or authenticity. And therefore, when individuals grow up in church and they see leaders or other church members acting a certain way, that it's in and of itself causes church hurt. Right. Because there was no expectation for them to do that because the expectation was for them to... Act differently or, mm-hmm. or, or look different. Mm-hmm. Got it.
0: You're a parent. Mm-hmm. Is it hard for you to... Somebody they see all the time at church does something wrong mm-hmm. and they are gone and don't come anymore or or they've been outed. Do you tell your kids what happened no matter what it is? like, Or do you say, they're just gone and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this person who I went to church with, forever or they're just not here like what do you mean <laughs> what what do you mean they're just gone fine. we were all fine <laughs> like that that's that was like that's the child's perspective mm. i think and so for you to not tell me means what like then i grow up and find out what they did go oh my i'm I'm sinning. Am I just going to be gone? What happened to that? You know, like Mm. what, how do I deal with all this information? That's the, that's how it goes.
1: That's really good. You bring up some really good points, Nate. And I'm sitting here um, trying to wrap my my head around it all as if I was a kid growing up thinking that leaders or, you know, members in the church were supposed to act a certain way. Um, And then all of a sudden you see them not. Because I think one of the expectations is, is, all right, I'm I'm a teenager and maybe I'm struggling with porn or I'm struggling with lust or I'm struggling with gossip or I'm struggling with anger. But once I grow up a little bit, mature a little bit, then those issues will be behind me. And... Then, when you see the people who are supposed to represent maturity, especially maturity in Christ, and now they're doing the same things that you're struggling with when you, you know, as a, as a teenager um, or young adult, then, yeah, I, I can absolutely see why that causes not just confusion, but also hurt because of the expectation of, I've been told, you know, like how many times did you sit in youth group, probably being told, don't have sex? Don't drink. Right. Now we're not going to get into anything, but just right. don't do these things. Right. And but that, I I was gonna, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And like, I think uh, uh, I think that probably gets back to the, the little little more of being able to. I brought up earlier the idea of talking about sin. I think we talk about sin in generic terms a lot of times, or in big categories, maybe, mm-hmm. without actually getting into. All right, why? should we not have sex or why should we not drink? And that lends to a further conversation, but then it also lends the opportunity for those speaking or for those to share about individuals that are struggling and this is how they're overcoming it. And maybe there needs to be more opportunities for like, all right, what would it have been like for you as a kid or a teenager and you're at church and then all of a sudden you have individuals coming and they're speaking about overcoming issues, like whether it's porn or whether it's substance abuse or whatever it may be. In other words, like they grew up in church or they were a, an adult and they started struggling with these things, but now you're hearing about them overcome it. Does that help break down that idea of perfectionism? I guess is what I'm asking.
0: When you just asked me that, what came to mind was people that the church brought in who had grown up in church but then gone all the way the other direction and luckily didn't die and are now here a Christian talking to us about it. Okay. That's when we thats when we talked about, like, those were the people who were allowed to talk about the fact that they sinned. The people who had definitely sinned. <laughs> and like you could see it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like like right here's the the guy with with a million tattoos mm-hmm. who can't grow hair anymore and has fake teeth to talk to us about his struggles with drugs and alcohol and homelessness and living on the street mm-hmm. and now by the grace of god he's able to travel around the country and ask for money from every church he goes to Talking to all the youth groups about how bad drugs are—that's mm. what I remember, and okay. that's that's when we talked about that kind of sin. Mm. It was let's bring in this sinner I gotcha. person. I gotcha to come
1: talk. <laughs> so to we're going to bring in the special sinner guy. The
0: special, the, yes, <laughs> the <laughs> the traveling sinnersman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So in other words, you're
1: not just hearing it from. Um, right. an, an individual and in congregation that doesn't right. have some crazy backstory, right. or yeah, I got gotcha. you.
0: And then if if it was the pastor doing it, it would be like not a sin, <laughs> though. <laughs> what? Like what? I always wanted to give thirty percent of my tithes and or thirty percent of my money to tithes, and I've struggled with it. <laughs> like that's when we heard the pastor struggle. Not you know like. Just tell me you used to watch porn Mm. because everybody did. It's free. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, for real, though, like, like, why can't I know that from you? mm. Because why don't we why is this never brought up? Why don't we Mm. talk about this in in church? Like, are we afraid that the children are going to hear it and go, what? What's that? Like that's what it feels like to me, having grown up this way. Okay. Because it feels like we don't want to talk about it because we don't want the children getting any ideas.
1: Do you think it's specifically targeted to not giving children ideas, or is it targeted more toward we want to keep up a certain persona? Just what, in general,
0: whatever it is. Okay. I mean, that's that's the way I perceived it, but okay. But that's what I noticed happening. Whatever whatever the reason was, that's what. That's what it was. That's how it felt to me because I was I, got you. I was growing up in it. So I got
1: you. so in other words, if what you're saying is if you had leaders from the church or just you know individuals that were committed to the church family there, mm-hmm. and they're getting up and they're talking about their struggle with certain things and um, overcoming it or maybe not fully overcoming it but working through it, and mm-hmm. you know a pastor talking about you know creating space for these mm-hmm. conversations to happen. Would that have helped? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, like, for real. (laughs) I feel like that would help a lot of people. Okay. Personally. Right. Because I don't remember ever hearing anything like that. Ah, gotcha. I I, I mean, except, I mean, now I'm thinking of things like when the preschool person would say, like, I've told lies before. Like, okay, yeah, we get, like, that doesn't help me because I don't know what this means yet, Hmm. but... You know, like I told a lie once, or I took a pack of of Wrigley Spearmint gum when I was six years old, and my mom caught me, and I had to give it back. Like, okay, like you know what I mean. Right. But like nothing, nothing that matters. Like I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> nothing that matters. Nothing that matters. Like nothing that matters was ever discussed. Like yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Anybody in church was dealing with anything okay until girl got pregnant and then never came back and then uh found out why didn't this why isn't this person here anymore they do drugs now oh okay well I I guess we just kicked them out like what like okay see ya this is going to happen to me eventually. Yeah,
1: I got you. So the, the thought process even goes to, well, if they're going to be kicked out or removed right. or ostracized, right. then more than likely that's going to happen to me as right. well if I don't just walk the line. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I got you. No, that that makes sense. Uh, I think as we get through, you know, continue through the conversation, you know, hopefully today we can get to some specific things of maybe what we, we can do mm. better you know and i'm saying we we as a church but then i'll also saying we as leadership can can do better to address those types of things
0: when do you think people started calling what we're talking about in this conversation church hurt
1: yeah i think the phrase specifically started about a decade ago so you can just do like a quick google search and type in church hurt and what you see is articles and YouTube videos, starting to use that phrase somewhere between 2012, 2015. And then from like 2015 or 16 on, it really, you you start seeing the phrase used a lot Mm. to refer to this. I think that just the um, evolution of social media has basically caused this to become a more common phrase within the last, let's say, eight years.
0: So what was... When you were doing your research, was there anything that you that stuck out to you, or you noticed about the people who were talking about it, or where where you were finding these definitions? Or
1: it, to be honest with you, it was it was all over the map. It was okay. because it was sometimes you'd have churches putting out whole statements about church hurt. Um, sometimes you'd have pastors addressing it, and sometimes you'd have more well known ministers addressing the idea of church hurt. Um, And then, of course, you've got individuals that were moving through, let's say, you know, phases of deconstruction um, or moving away from evangelicalism, you know, Mm. who are beginning to use the phrase church hurt as well to describe part or fully what pushed them away from the church or even from God himself. So I think it was, I think the research was interesting because it was just kind of all across the board mm. of who was addressing it. I do think some of the churches weren't owning it fully enough. And what I mean by that is they were wanting to just kind of label it as an institutional issue okay. and 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 where it needs to be labeled a I don't know, and I know there's institutions like church institutions right. who have calls church hurt. So I'm not denying that especially in the cover-up of scandals and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I also know that it's also people-oriented. You can't just use the umbrella phrase of institution. And then I thought there were some uh, leaders addressing church hurt in a very constructive way, and then there were some that were wanting to to, to minimize that. So, yeah, I think the research kind of lends itself to a, a lot of different perspectives on church hurt, how to approach it. and But I do think that, over there is an overarching agreement in a lot of ways of what actually it means mm. in the sense of offense or
0: people agree
1: amazingly on this. On this, wow, <laughs> I don't know if they necessarily agree on the cause or the solution, right. but they'll they'll agree well, on they never, what it is. They never
0: agree on the solution. No,
1: that'd be a that'd just be asking too much. Mm.
0: Okay, so uh. I guess I told you my perspective on where I see church hurt from. Mm-hmm. What types of church hurt do you see? Okay, like when you th- when you think of it from a pastor's perspective, what yeah. do you
1: see? Yeah. Yeah. So as a church leader, I guess I see it in a, several different ways, and I'm not saying it's, this is an exhaustive list, but mm-hmm. these are the things that come to my mind. Um, first, I think church hurt is experience when there's an abuse of power by leadership and by power, I just mean more of an abuse of a title or role where they use their title of pastor or minister or apostle or prophet, whatever it may be. And they act almost like little dictators Mm. more than servants, which is what they're supposed to be acting like. Um, and so they can become domineering and very authoritative. And and so I think that obviously is when, when you're interacting with a leader who is supposed to be loving, caring, serving you, and they interact with you, you know, in a domineering, or, you know, they may even demean you, you know, mm-hmm. um, or belittle you, then that's obviously an abuse of power and, to be honest, emotional abuse as well, you know, tied up into that where they can become you know, manipulative and they're, or they're shaming you, belittling you, especially if they're doing that publicly. I mean, it hurts enough when it's happening privately, but if they're doing it publicly over issues that should have been discussed privately, you know, there's abuse of trust by leadership. So trust just being, we expect our pastor not to steal money right from the church and then what happens when they steal money. Right. We expect our pastors to be individuals that we can confide in and that it remains—whatever confi- well, we, confident. we say remains confidential. And then if the pastor begins gossiping about it, right, then they break trust. Then we get into, you know, the more of like the moral failures of leadership. And so when, if it's an affair, if it's substance abuse, anger issues— and you're you're witnessing your quote unquote spiritual leader acting in a way that's definitely not in line with a spiritual leader. So the moral failure. And then we and then you kind of get in the lines of actual like abuse. Um so sexual abuse by leadership. And whether this is abuse toward you or toward individuals that you become aware of. This is just like when I when I and I have I have talked to people who who have been abused by church leaders, mm-hmm. whether they're youth pastor or senior pastor, abused, it's like, like sexually okay. abused. Um, and it's devastating, you know? Um, I mean, that form of abuse is devastating regardless mm-hmm. of the context, but then you put it into church environment and no wonder they don't want to ever trust the church right. or its leadership or maybe even God. You know, this is, the leadership that they're supposed to be representing, mm. you know, is God, and and so and it's it, it just it absolutely just breaks my
0: heart. Yeah, I, I mean, like I can't imagine dealing with the way I feel about things, but with that added on top of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't.
0: I don't know. I don't even know. No, I don't either. Yeah. And so,
1: and I think that's one of the things we have to be honest as leaders. Mm. You know when these kind of things happen, they, they can't just be, you know, swept under the rug. They mm. need to be addressed poignantly and, and individuals need to be invited in to say, I've been hurt. I've been abused. And because I think one of the things that makes it so difficult is that many times when there's abuse that happens in the home or, from a family friend, something like that. The church is actually the place that those people go for healing and Mm. for counsel and for community and for help. And when that happens, but when that abuse happens in the context of church, where where do you go? Where do you go? Yeah. I mean, Mm. and that, that's just what breaks my heart. And that's just what makes those particular types of abuse. Just so absolutely horrendous. And then I guess finally there's, the spiritual abuse as well, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a friend and they, they lost, um, they miscarried their child and they were told that their child, they miscarried their child because they were in sin, that their sin caused this. Mm-hmm. And by sin, they don't, they weren't meaning like, well, you were, um, you were abusing drugs, or you were drinking, or things like that 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 unfortunately made calls a miscarriage. They just meant like you were just out of the will of God in a certain area of your life, and therefore you had a miscarriage. Like that's spiritual abuse, right. in, in my opinion. Um, I,
0: this is not a term I've heard before.
1: Okay, um,
0: or, or abuse put this way.
1: Yeah, it's it's spiritual abuse. Um, you know, if you're, for example. I struggled with um, pancreatitis for about five years, and and obviously I wanted to be healed from it and be okay. And but when you're told, well, you're not healed because you don't have faith, it's on you, right? Right. That's spiritual abuse. Did that happen?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I've known. I. And this is, bro. This is what this. This is why this one in particular just gets me. And church hurt is real. I mean, people experience church hurt and. Because like, I know individuals who, like, they're like, toddler has cancer, and they're told their toddler has cancer because either their sin or they don't have faith enough for the child to be healed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, I don't even know where to go with that. I, I, it makes me so mad and upset. To me, that's spiritual abuse. Like, I'm abusing you spiritually. I'm saying that it's your sin, your lack of faith that's causing these issues to happen in life. And like I realize and like I acknowledge that sometimes we make choices and decisions that are wrong choices and decisions that bring about really negative consequences, mm. okay? And can lead to tragedy. But there's other things like miscarriages or you, a child has cancer or an individual, you know, becomes terminally ill in their thirties or forties. And like, there's, you didn't, there's nothing you did to cause these things, but yet you're being told that your sin or your lack of faith, you know, your sin is what calls it, or your lack of faith is what preventing a healing, bro. That's, that's crazy. And, and, and I've had conversations, like I've had, you know, Couples that I'm, I'm meeting with, and they're just, they're crying. They're weeping mm-hmm. because of what some other church leadership told them about their situation.
0: And, and, um, and luckily, they are at a different church asking for advice or yeah. getting help. Right. And didn't go anywhere else.
1: Right. Because they could have just said, forget the church completely. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the types of church hurt that I, as I have seen, and that. I've experienced and I think what makes leadership like church hurt that that comes from leadership so damaging if you were is because as leaders we are seen as representatives of God. And so when leadership hurts us, it really leaves us questioning not only the validity of the of like their leadership, but really the validity of church should I be a part of a church? Um, is there a God? Is there a God who really loves and cares? And and if God really loves and cares, why why are His leaders acting like jerks?
2: Mm.
1: You know, or acting like predators? I guess when I think about church hurt, those are the things that come to my mind. And I and you can probably tell in my voice I, I get a I get a little passionate about it because you know not all churches. There's so there's so many amazing churches. And so many amazing church leaders. And so it just, it breaks my heart when, when the, I don't, I'm not gonna say just a few, but when, when there is church hurt that is legitimate and it causes someone to, to just veer away from church completely. And, and I, and I've seen, I mean, I've experienced it, you know, so like I'm not sitting here saying I've not experienced, I've experienced hurt. My family has experienced hurt. Um, from church leadership. And so that's a, like, it's not something that I've not experienced myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and thank God we didn't just (laughs) give up on church either. Mm -hmm. Um, and I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now as a pastor. Um, but yeah, I think these are real, these are real issues and real hurts and they need to be discussed. And, and again, I, I know sometimes we talk about things like this. Sometimes church leaders can get defensive because they're like, "Well, not all churches are that way, or not all church leaders are that way." And you're right, mm. they're not. But but there's been enough damage and hurt from churches, by church, I mean people
2: mm.
1: and leaders within those churches that we it has to be discussed, or we're going to keep seeing individuals. I mean, basically, we're seeing a whole generation. I mean, I'm not saying the whole generation, but we're seeing a large part of a generation leave the church Mm -hmm. and church hurt is one of the primary reasons for that. So we, we have to, we have to address it.
0: One of the things I was thinking about when you said that, and I have a question afterwards, but one of the things was after growing up through everything, Mm -hmm. when, when I, when I get to leadership uh, as a teenager and I'm like, the leaders are doing this too. The leaders are acting this way too. And the leaders don't like each other. Mm. And then I'm able to look at the institution as a whole and be like, the Catholics are doing this shit and yeah. they're doing this and whatever. And so I can build my, my your honor. This is why I'm leaving the church. Here's all my evidence. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why I'm leaving. I have a very long list of very good reasons for why I'm leaving this institution and looking for something else. And anyway, that's just something I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Also, my question is, you talked about expectations, like that my expectations of church leadership Mm -hmm. and people in church, I guess, what should my expectations of them be? Because people, all the things that you just said, abuse of power, abuse of trust, emotional abuse, moral failure, sexual abuse, and I guess spiritual abuse wouldn't be included in there, but people all over the planet do, no matter what religion or if they're a religion at all or anything like that. So should I be expecting people at church and or, or Christians to be acting a different way than everybody else does when this stuff happens everywhere all the time?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Because I think this is one of the indictments against the church too, right? Like if if I see all of these things happening in other organizations, institutions, but they're also happening in the church, then really what makes the church any different right? And so and therefore and, but you're right to say that I think most people would say but that's not okay in the church. Like even if you just you don't even believe in God or those kind of things, there's a sense of that people in the church should act a certain way, mm. should act differently. And I do think that that expectation is a a right expectation. I do think that people in the church, I'll put it this way, that people who say they are followers of Jesus should look like followers of Jesus. In other words, they should begin to look like, emulate, imitate who they say they're following. And so if I pick up my Bible and I look at the way that Jesus walked through the earth, I should be able to, and the way that he interacted with people, the way he, you know, dealt with individuals, I should also look to his followers to act in similar fashion. You know, if they say, well, we're followers of Jesus, okay? <laughs> you know, like, I get why you're saying, you're, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, act like him. Mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's not an unfair expectation in, on, in one sense. But on the other hand, I mean on paper it's not on, yeah, on paper but like but in reality is that none of the individuals that are followers of Jesus look perfectly like Jesus, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason that we're told throughout Scripture that we are in the process of maturing into the stature of Christ. That we're in the process of being transformed into the likeness of Christ. That we're in the process of rediscovering the image of God within us. And so, it's a, it is a process. And I know people feel like, well, that's just a you know a, an easy way out to say that. But it's true that we are in process. But I think that the difference is that for followers of Jesus, when they fall short, right And it doesn't have to be in like the crazy egregious sin. Mm. quote unquote, like let's like gossip, okay or anger. They should individuals that struggle with those things should be you know confronted by their brothers and sisters in Christ just with an honest conversation. To say, hey, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but you're you've you've kind of found yourself in a trap of gossiping a lot, or hey, I've seen some anger issues there, and then we we don't just confront them, but we come up alongside them. like it describes it in Galatians six, and we come up alongside them and actually help them, encourage them to walk in a place of where, okay, I'm going to overcome, quote unquote. You know, gossiping or anger through the power of God's grace, but also in the context of community.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, I think there's a an expectation there, and when it falls short, instead of freaking out, we do need to go okay. But there is a they are in process. So let's help them continue on. And and I, and I can so I can easily say that, but I do think there's an issue when we see big time leaders. In church, and they and they fall, and they have an affair, or they they become addicted to you know drugs or or alcohol or those types of things. I'm not saying there's not redemption for them, and I'm not saying there's not forgiveness for them, but I also think we like the Bible is clear that leaders are held to a higher standard, and it's, so
0: it's actually clear on that? It's
1: actually clear on this. Yes,
0: that who should hold. Who is holding them to a higher standard? The collective body
1: of Christ. Of Christ. Yeah. So in First Timothy chapter 5, it talks about elders. Okay. And it speaks about how elders... Well, in First Timothy 3, it's, it talks about the qualifications of an elder. And actually, in, by an elder, I just mean a leader in the church, okay? An overseer in the church. And the elders are... It's interesting... The prerequisites for an elder are all character traits.
2: Mm.
1: And it just there's one thing that's not a character trait, and it says that they're able to teach. It doesn't say they have to be a good teacher. It just says that they <laughs> are able to teach the the fundamental foundational teachings of Christ, right?
0: Physically capable. They are
1: physically, mentally capable of doing this, right? <laughs> even if they're terrible at it, they can do it. And so, but everything else is character related. And I think maybe that's one of the problems is we've kind of flipped some things on its head a little bit, and now we typically look for really charismatic speakers, or we typically look for okay. individuals that you know carry themselves a certain way mm-hmm. or look a certain way or whatever it may be. And the, but it's the character that actually holds the leader, you know, that or, or that's what or that should be what we're looking for in our leaders. Mm-hmm and you know Timothy is is so Paul is writing to Timothy here and he's saying hey you're about to establish some leaders in the churches there in Ephesus these are the types of people you're looking for mm-hmm. with these character traits okay and then in, and then later on in that same letter Paul writes to Timothy but hey take it seriously if there's charges against an elder or a leader. So, in other words, what as Paul's saying, kind of on two fronts: like, don't just take every allegation against them just at hand. You know, in other words, make sure it's correct
0: because they're leaders and people are going to do that, right. right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and but if there is an issue with an elder, it actually says, you know, you you deal with them. If they won't repent, make you make it public. Mm-hmm. And that's like it. It moves really fast for a leader, as opposed to like other church members, where it's like, all right, I'm gonna come to you once. If you don't respond to it, I'm coming to you with some more people, and mm-hmm. this some more. You know, it's like a process for the leaders. It's more like, all right, we're gonna come to you. We're gonna confront you with this. There needs to be some repentance, some acknowledgement of it. And if there's not, we're going public with it. And by public, I just mean not that we get on social media, and make a you know a right. blast on social media. <laughs> I just you know, this is what our pastor did, you know. And what I mean is by the by the church family, it has to be made public amongst the church family. And part of that is to hold that leader accountable, you know. And I think we are that word accountable is probably a big part because there needs to be accountability for for the leaders and so when you talk about expectations right that was the original question was the expectations i think there's expectations on the church on individuals that claim to be followers of jesus mm-hmm. to live in a to live in a certain manner that's you know like paul talks about in his letter to the ephesians he mentioned it several times walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling and mm. so in other words walk in such a way that's worthy of you being called a christ follower okay live in such a way that's worthy of you being called a christ follower and but then with leaders it's it's like you know you kind of, it's kind of you you up that expectation even more because they are the visible mm. representation you know of God's people.
0: So I should expect the other members of church I go to to behave better than people who do not attend a church.
1: Yes. So Paul in Philippians 3 says that we are we are supposed to conduct ourselves toward in the in the in the standard that we have been taught. Okay? According to the standard we've been taught. So
0: so people at church have continuously been taught a standard that they should be living up to. Therefore, I should expect
1: them to do that. Right. But like for me, I remember like, so right when I'm 17 coming to know Christ, not really growing up in church and I start reading through scripture and through the New Testament, and I'm like, oh, trash. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that I'm not doing right. Right. And, but as a new believer, I'm going to have a lot of patience, right, for mm-hmm. for a new believer someone who's just coming to the faith, I'm going to have a lot of patience with them as they're growing. So I think, and they may not even know what all the standards, quote unquote, are. So I think that's one of the things that we have to be mindful of is where are individuals in their journeys with Christ? Have they been in church being discipled for a day, for a year, for three Mm -hmm. years, 10 years, 30 years? Like, Where are they in this? process.
0: So I I could get saved and then never read anything. So I don't know that I'm sinning, so that I'll just be I'll be cool then.
1: (laughs) I mean technically yes. Right? (laughs) But I think you'd have a hard time being in church every Sunday. If you're in church, right? right? right. If you're in church every Sunday. Or I'm not saying every Sunday, but you're in church regularly. You're in church regularly, hopefully you're reading the the Bible regularly and therefore you do begin to discover those things. Right. I mean, that's what happened with me. I mean, I didn't really know anything. Someone handed me a devotional. And so it's like, you know, just one piece of, you know, a little passage at a time to read through. And I'm reading through there and like, I'm like wanting to give up because I'm like, I'm terrible. I, I, I'm failing at every point of being a Christian, you know? And so I do think there's those, there's those growing points. And I, and I also think we can't shortchange what the Holy Spirit can do within us, too. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does convict us about things, and we're like, I'm not clear in Scripture if that's a sin or not. But the Holy Spirit's, like, going, okay, that's not okay.
0: I I think that's the thing I want to discuss at some point. Like, the, oh, my God, I'm awful. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like, all those... Mental gymnastics that you have to jump through in order to keep being a follower of this thing. Right. So like, I, how do you deal with that?
1: That's a great episode topic. Yes. That's right. A, that's we'll, a future one. We, we, will, we will come back to it. I'm making a note as we speak.
0: So I am supposed to expect that, just to reiterate again, I am supposed to expect that church goers and especially church leaders— are behaving at a higher standard than your average person who does not attend church or call themselves a Christian. Correct. Okay. So how do I expect that from them? But then when they do things like we're talking about, how do I deal with it? Yeah. Especially when it's at me or toward me or involving me or whatever.
1: Sure. I, it's interesting because I feel like we're, we're we're trying to hold two things in tension together. Okay, you know I think we're trying to hold the expectation on, in one hand of you should you should know better, you should live differently, with the reality of. But when you don't, I will forgive and have grace. That is when I say we forgive and have grace. It doesn't mean we don't confront the person about it. Okay, but it does mean. But I forgive. And it does mean that I'm going to have grace and mercy and trust the Holy Spirit can still move in that person and transform them that that their worst moment toward me doesn't really fully define all of who they are. And I think that's a tough, that can be a tough tension to hold t- together, mm. especially depending on what the church hurt is. Right. So if... You know, we don't want to get into like, quote unquote, varying degrees of sin. But the reality is, is that someone not keeping their promise is very different than someone abusing me. Mm. Someone says, I promise you that we will get together and we'll do these things. And then that leader doesn't fulfill that promise. I'm disappointed, Mm. but I'm not. I may not be but I may not be devastated by that. right. If I am, you know physically, emotionally, spiritually abused, that's a whole different level. I'm not just disappointed, I'm devastated. And so I understand that it's kind of like'm I'm, I'm trying to hold this tension in of going, okay, so I am expecting for them to live differently, but I'm also prepared to give forgiveness when I am, Offended, rejected, disappointed, betrayed, or even abused—I'm still going to forgive. And but I'm but I'm also not sitting here saying, "Oh yeah, that's just really easy. Just go do that." I think that in in and of itself can be a process. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that forgiveness is a choice and not an emotion. So we choose to forgive. And and then we're asking and as we're choosing to forgive, we're asking the Lord to help soften our hearts to the point to where we're the feeling of forgiveness is there. In other words, I'm no longer holding resentment and anger toward that person. Mm. And so, but I'm not going to sit here and say that that's easy. I mean, I I have I have talked to people, walked with people who you know through through church hurt have found themselves in full blown panic attacks, you know, have not wanted to come back to church, you know, like this very thought idea of seeing uh, a leader or an individual in the church, just they can't, they can't handle it. They can't, you know, and so, because they've been so hurt by them. Mm. And so I'm not sitting here saying it's easy, but I do think we want to hold the expectation and we want to hold that when they don't meet the expectation, we're going to give forgiveness. It doesn't, and, and I want to say this too. When I when I say forgiveness, I don't mean that we have to always be reconciled to that person. So, if someone abused me, I, I more than likely I'm not going to become their friend, right? Right. I'm more than likely going to remove myself from their sphere,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's okay. I can still forgive without having full reconciliation with that person to a point of friendship again, right? Right, or trust again. Okay. But I but I but I will choose to forgive and then ask the Lord to help me to forgive and then even be able to speak blessing and life over that person. But again, it doesn't mean I have to become close friends or even any kind of friend toward that individual
0: again. Does
1: that I don't know if that answers your question or not?
0: Mm -hmm. So I should I should be I should expect them. I'm like adding to my (laughs) thing. I should expect them to be better than the average person, but not surprised when they are not. Is that a good way to put it? Um,
1: I'm gonna say be willing to have forgiveness and grace when they're not. I do think sometimes it comes as a surprise, right? Because we so we so trust people, it's surprising if they fall. Mm. So if I'm and so in other words, if I'm if I find myself shocked Horrified, surprised by it. Okay. That is how I feel about it. I can still forgive. Mm.
0: Well, that was the end of the first Church Hurt episode, Church Hurt Part 1. Joseph, that was a good conversation. Thoroughly
1: enjoyed it. Cool.
0: You can find the podcast on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can... Keep up with updates on Instagram and Facebook at When I Heard This Podcast. And I personally am at Nate Robinsoff on Instagram and Facebook. Joseph, you are at?
1: Rev Jyoti.
0: On Instagram, correct? Correct. And we will see you all next time.